TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined with a lady who's been a personal trainer for over 12 years. She's been a mother for 21 years and an educator within the fitness industry for the last seven years. She's mentored many successful personal trainers. She has a Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. She's a Level 3 Czech practitioner, um, and she's got an amazing company called Live Strong Primal Fitness. Um, Live Strong Personal Training was born by the desire to find a healthier alternative after her first husband died away as a result of cancer. What an amazing story. We're going to talk a bit about that. Um, but Live Strong Primal Fitness is a culmination of a dream she shared with her second husband, who she met after, bring it, uh, after beginning her career in personal training. They were drawn together by their desire to raise healthy, happy, well-adjusted children and their love of training and movement. She says, raising six children in today's world of instant gratification and technology is an ongoing learning process. What a story. I'm looking forward to talking more about this. Welcome to the show, Tanya Carroll. Thanks for having me, Brett. Oh, Tanya, you have got such an amazing story. I almost don't even know where to start. Uh, but but let's start from the start. Let's talk about your journey uh, with your first husband uh, and your journey from there towards being, uh, I guess, more interested and more passionate about health and wellness. Sure. So um, probably my um, love of fitness and health started like well and truly before I met my first husband. So I've been a member of a gym since I was 14 or 15. Um, loved it then and was always involved in sport. My brother played for the Canberra Raiders in Canberra where I grew up, so always had that around me. But when I met my first husband, Brian, um, that kind of diverted a little bit as it does when you get into your early 20s and I got married and had the kids and went back into health and fitness or went back into fitness for myself after I'd had the children. But, um, yeah, I met my husband on the Gold Coast and then we moved down here to Melbourne, I think it was five years after I met him. So my eldest son was two and the younger one was coming up 12 months. So it was a year after we moved here when he was diagnosed, I think, with his first cancer, which was melanoma cancer. And then it was from date of diagnosis to the date he passed away. It was literally almost to the day. It was four years. So he was 34 when he passed away. So the kids were – actually, the kids were a little bit older. So the kids were – the youngest one was going on six when, when Brian first died. So going through that and going seeing what he went through from – the medical side of things and also previously having that history of wanting to be healthy and being involved in sport and fitness. Um, I saw it from the medical perspective, which is fantastic and great, but I really wanted to tap into and wanted to do something with my time after I wasn't caring for him and after he'd gone. Um, I wanted to do something with my time that was more meaningful and from the other perspective of preventative rather than the cure because, as you know, preventative is better than cure because you're getting it before it happens and you're creating more health on a wider scale. So um, it is a phenomenal journey, Tanya, and I mean it's it's hard to fathom how challenging this must have been for you. Not only um, you know losing your husband, but obviously you know having that four year period of caring for your husband, and you know as much as obviously you want him to survive and be around for as long as possible, there, there are inherent challenges in that when you are caring for someone and at the same time raising a family, and and obviously having small children who've lost their father. I mean it, it's 
unfathomable for me to, to try and even consider um, how challenging that must have been for you. How, how did you get through that period? It's interesting to look back at it and friends who were with me around the time that it happened look back and go, we could actually see you preparing for what was going to happen before he passed away, even though we didn't know for sure what his lifespan would be or whether yeah. he would pass away. Um, I think on a subconscious level, I knew that. And um, like I married him when I was 20, going on 21. So I was really young. And this is when I'm 30 that this is happening. So I kind of was still in the mindset of you just get up and do it. You, you don't really look at what's happening at the time because you don't want to look too far into the future. Um, but like I said, on a subconscious level, all of my friends could see that I was preparing for life after and what would happen after. So I think I was a little bit um, – I was prepared, if that makes sense, prepared yeah. um, logically. Nothing can prepare you physically or emotionally for what happens. But I think also having the kids and not even considering anything other than getting up and going on for them was what drove me. It wasn't until probably quite later, like after I married my second husband, that I look back and I go, okay, that was really probably really challenging and I'm really glad I didn't know how challenging it was at the time. Mm. Oh, it's incredible. And how did your children go? I mean, that would just be such a – a difficult thing, A, to see your father so unwell, but, but B, to lose your father at such an early age. Um, within the Czech program who I have studied with, we talk about the first seven years of being seven years of life being the most influential and that's when the footprint of who you are and, and how you're influenced and what goes on in your life after that happens. So particularly for my younger son who was five going on six at the time, it affected him more than it affected my older one who was a little bit older and he was already a little bit more mature. So he was eight, but mm. he was probably more of a mature age of 10. So he coped fine, or coped okay, but the younger one has gone through and he, Timothy, he's had probably more long-term effects from it happening. Um, we had counselling at the time and we had a really great network of family and friends and support system. But even saying that, I don't think, um, I think it, it, it does lay an imprint on them and going forward they will probably still need to continue to have counselling and have help at certain periods of times in their lives, especially my oldest son's now coming into having a baby himself. So I'm going to be a grandmother in August, which I think will bring up things that probably haven't been completely dealt with when it happened. We, like I said, we got up and we had support networks and we had the tennis club and we had people around us. So it wasn't like we all fell in a heap then and it like along the way things have happened that have kind of brought it back up again and then I'll go, okay, we didn't really deal with that that well then. Um, so yeah. we just deal with it as it happens and as it comes up. Oh, well, you know, I, I think that however you dealt with it, you must have dealt with it extraordinarily well at the time. You know, I, I think sometimes you do just need to survive in the moment um, and that's okay, you know, and, and sometimes stuff does, does need to be by necessity dealt with later um, yeah. just because – you know, when such big stuff is going on and as you said, you know, having a family to raise and, and all of those things going on, I, I think by necessity sometimes you always have to push some of that to the side for the short term in order to just, you know, Get put through. one step in front of the other and keep going with life. Yep, totally. Um, well, Tanya, it's it's an amazing story. I almost don't know what to say. I've always lost for words for the first time ever. But, um, you know, the, the incredible thing about this, I mean, it would have been so easy for you to totally lose your way after an experience like that, to, to, to lose yourself, to lose your motivation, to lose your inspiration, to, to just not know, you know, who you are and what to do and where to go next. But, but you were able to pick up the pieces of that and, and use that to create something amazing. Um, 
and to use it as a motivation and an inspiration to better yourself and to better other people around you. Um, that's a phenomenal thing. How did that happen? Um, being in that medical system and we were at Peter Mac when he was passing away and he passed away there, but most of his treatment was at Peter Mac. It's, I think I took snippets of what I learned along the way during that journey that inspired me, inspired me and, and drove me afterwards. Um, there is um, so much every single person can do and that's what I want to inspire people to do. Like everybody's got the ability to do amazing things, mm. whether that be in health and fitness or whether that just be in their own small community within their family or in their lives, like that everyone's got something to offer and I always saw that in other people and I think having such him in – he was like passed away at 34 so within his 34 years did he really do everything he wanted to do in his life I don't know but I know that I wanted to go on and and do the things that I felt inspired to do so yeah I like his story and that like talking about it does inspire me but there's other people who along the way have like contributed to that inspiration I am always looking for motivational things online and on Facebook and even like in your own general life, if you open your eyes up and have a look around and you're motivated and you're, and you're grateful for what you can see and grateful for everything around you, you can always find inspiration if you're looking for it. Yeah, and it seems like your second husband was a big part of that for you. You know, you found, it seems, someone who was a bit of a kindred spirit who had the same sort of goals and motivations um, in order to help you You both progress forward on your own paths. Um, how did that come about and how did you guys learn that you had such a, a synergy in terms of your goals and dreams? Um, I think you put put them, hit the nail on the head there, synergy. So um, energetic-wise and like spiritually, there wasn't anything that could stop Andrew and I being together, <laughs> simply. <He's, laughs> I was attracted to his, um, obviously attracted to him physically and mentally, but there's a connection and when you know that connection happens, it's like an energy that you can't stop. Um, so I was attracted to that energy and, um, him going through his separation and divorce and me being single and having the two kids, it was just like a meeting of two souls, I guess you would say. So, um, he was always, come on, tell us a little bit about it, Tanya. Give us the, give us the fairy tale. Like, how did you meet? Where did you meet? What happened? I want to know. Okay. So we met, (laughs) we, um, believe it or not, at Fitness First. So we used to work. I started at Fitness First in Collins Street here in the city in Melbourne. And he, um, so that was almost a year to the day after my first husband had passed away that I um, became PT. So it was about three months after he passed away that I started doing my Cert 3 and Cert 4. Mm-hmm. Studied for the nine months and then um, was introduced to Fitness First through another trainer there. And it was a month after I started that Andrew started there as well. So we started there to, at around the same time and we're going through the same things when you're starting your own business. And um, Fitness First in those days, particularly at the one that we were at, was a very close community. So we, um, yeah, we connected there and we were friends for a long time before we um, even started dating. And then, um, yeah, just started dating and went from there. Oh, nice. I like that. That's nice. Um, it is. It is amazing when you find someone who's just kind of meant to be and it, and it just there is just that magnetism and that attraction there that means that it just happens sometimes quite effortlessly um you know a lot of people find uh coming out of a relationship you know a divorce like andrew was and, and i imagine it would be even more so for yourself after having a partner pass away that they're not sure when is the appropriate time to start again you know to start yeah. 
dating again, to start thinking about having a relationship again. I imagine that would have been, and I, I guess particularly, I think maybe with children that that comes into the process as well of of thinking of them as well. Um, how was that for you in terms of that progression? Yeah, absolutely challenging. So for the first few months that we dated, we even kept it quiet from most of our workmates. We would yeah. um, disappear off and go for a walk and um, spend time together, and then did they know? not. Did you find out later? Um, some people suspected, but then, um, yeah, then they found out later. And uh, actually, we did a really good job because a lot of the um, members and our clients had no idea. And it was not until I fall, fell pregnant and we thought everybody knew that they're like, oh my goodness, we didn't know any of that was going on. And that was well and truly after we'd started dating. Um, so, yeah, it was a sensitive subject. Um, probably more so for Andrew because he still had to consider his partner still being alive. So yeah. there was always feelings around that. And the, um, for me, it was a definite end obviously feelings don't stop when somebody dies but there's a there's no future going forward and that was the same with Andrew but you still have to take into consideration how that affects the children my kids there was no option like there was no dad still on the scene so um yes I had to take their feelings into consideration but it was a different path that I think we took so we um it was something that we definitely took very slowly and did at the children's pace as well. So kind of like you're dropping the seeds first of all and then you you don't just suddenly bring somebody into your life and yeah. go, this is going to be your new father because it was never going to be like that and I was never going to be their new mother. I wasn't going to replace their mother because obviously she was still around and my kids were never going to see Andrew as a father. They would see him as a father figure eventually. Yeah. Um, but Andrew was very specific about not wanting to step in and go, and take over that role or even look like he was taking over that role because that's not what he wanted and that's not what we wanted. We wanted um, mutual respect and the, the kids to appreciate them for who they were and, and what our relationship was but not to replace anybody. Yeah, I love that. Oh, You guys have just done such a great job. Now, you do have six children. So, explain yes. to me how this Brady Bunch came together. You had two children. Yes. So, I had two. I've got Kelvin and Timothy. So, Kelvin was the eldest of all of the children. Yep. And Andrew had three. Yes. So his eldest daughter, Emma, is six months younger than Kelvin. Yes. And then Timothy, my second one, was the next eldest in line. And then he's got Lachlan, who's just about to turn 18. And then Noah. Noah is 14. So Noah was four, I think, when Eden, our youngest, was born. So we've got one yeah. who's the, the glue. Yep. Eden's the youngest, and she's the only one who we've had together. But yes. she's um she's coming up 10 years old now. So there's when we had Eden, there was a four-year gap between Eden and the youngest, Noah, and there was a 10-year gap between Eden and the oldest, or 11 years actually, between Eden and Kelvin. That's so amazing. four boys and two girls. Let's talk about your blended families. That's about as blended as it gets, I reckon. There's a little bit of yes. everything there. So tell Definitely. me about this. I, I know I'm going into all your personal stuff at the moment. I promise That's I'll ask you more fine. questions about fitness in a second, but it is <laughs> an amazing journey and an amazing story. And I want to know, you got together, you already had five children between the two of you. What yep. was the process that led you to think, do you know what? Six would be great. Well, that's another whole story. Um, We had talked about marriage and we had talked about having more children because um, anyone who knows Andrew and I well knows that we love babies. Um, Part of my practice eventually and part of Andrew's practice being chiropractor will be children, but mine definitely will take me down the path of rehabilitation and corrective movement for kids. Um, I love the infant development work. So um, although we weren't planning on having Eden, she was a very nice surprise, but I think she was destined to be who she was and when she came I don't think we chose her she definitely chose us at the right time so yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's it's amazing what you guys have been able to put together in terms of both family life and in terms of business life as well. Um, and so, obviously, um, sorry, my phone just rang in the background. It's totally distracted me. It's I thought I heard something. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, so, obviously, moving back to the fitness side of things, you know, you guys have obviously just come together in terms of personal in terms of professional and and just you know heading in the same direction and and this has led to the creation of live strong primal fitness so tell us a bit about how this came aboard yeah what's the passion with live strong primal fitness what sort of fitness do you guys do obviously primal fitness what does that mean for you guys okay so primal fitness to us means movement patterns that you can take from the gym and are implemented in your everyday life. So things that your body is naturally innate, meant to be doing to create health throughout the body. So we know that movement um, helps the flow of cerebral fluid through the spinal column. It helps with organ function. It helps with the muscles pumping around the organs. So it's not just about what you move. It's about how you move it and when you move it. So primal, again, is going back to what we used to do in caveman days and the way we used to move then because as we've developed and as we've changed over the last particularly 20 years, we know that sitting down has caused us a lot of problems and caused us not just problems in the physical but in our health. Um, so when we, when both Andrew and I started as personal trainers, um, we both were very what we call green, so came out of personal training school doing set three and set four and knew the very basics. Um, but being in the environment that we were in, we were exposed to the Czech program very early. Mm-hmm. Within the first year that I was a personal trainer, I had done, I think, two courses in the Czech program, um, which when you understand what level of education you get within that program, that's huge to take on in your first year of PT. So we were very quickly going to be very different as personal trainers. Um, Andrew's very um, energetically um, in touch with people. I was a little bit in touch with that when I first started, but I think where I lacked in some areas, he picked up, and where he lacked in some areas, I could pick up. So um, very early on, even when I was pregnant with Eden, when I went on mat leave, um, he took my clients because that we based, even though our businesses were very individual at the time, um, we we kind of blended them together very early so that our both sets of clients knew knew each of the other trainer and if one of us was not able to coach then the other one would be able to pick up so we knew how each other ran our businesses that way um after we had it and we moved out to another gym closer to home to be closer to the kids and for convenience and a great opportunity as well um he became the personal training manager and i still remained a pt but still we always had in the back of our minds that what we were doing in the gyms wasn't enough for what we wanted and enough for we knew we could help people in a different capacity. Um, so then when we opened, well, when we decided to open here, we actually went and did a move that course over in Thailand, which was nice. before it was a certification. And we're um, thinking about it before then, but when we came back from that, we're like, we cannot do half the stuff that we just learned on MoveNet in a regular gym. We need our own space. So Live Strong Primal Fitness was born from that. So I originally had the name Live Strong Personal Training and then it just morphed into Live Strong Primal Fitness because that enveloped both of what we wanted to do projecting forward in terms of business. Um, Yeah, so we've gone from there. So I've moved into the Czech program heavily and then Andrew, I think it was about a year after we opened here, um, he had always had in the back of his mind that he wanted to be a doctor of some type but couldn't put his finger on what he wanted to study or do. And when you're young and you have children, like in your 20s, everything gets pushed into looking after the kids and funds and time 
particularly. So um, when he started really thinking about it again when we were practicing here, he went, yeah, actually, I really want to do chiropractic. That's where I feel like I'm being pulled towards. So being our own business, he was able to step back a little bit from the business and, and study and, um, yeah, and then move forward from there. So And chiropractic, in terms of what I do with the Czech program, works perfectly in alignment with it. What I can't do and what I'm not um, qualified yet to do and also what I'm not allowed to do via insurance-wise, he can do for me in terms of chiropractic. So if I find someone's not moving quite well or they're doing everything that I need them to do in their program, they're eating well and they're sleeping well and moving well and still not getting the results that I need from spinal curve measurements, um, then I've got a direct referral straight to Andrew yeah. right here on the floor. So uh, It's perfect. And it does, as you said, it dovetails so well together. I mean, the, the fundamental chiropractic philosophy of just understanding that the body has evolved to be a perfectly functioning organism and that it really doesn't need any help in order to do that. It just needs no interference, you know, just creating that environment that the body is designed to thrive in. You know, what you're doing with your fitness is really, you know, recreating that very natural movement that our body is designed and evolved to require. Um, And obviously, Andrew, then removing that interference via the spine and the nervous system and allowing that that full expression of it, you know, I I certainly find in my practice, you know, there's a couple of gyms who, um, you know, I know a number of my practice members go to and who I refer to. And when you do have that synergy going together, I mean, the results you get are just exponentially better, aren't they? Right. Yeah. So, Andrew can even do an adjustment or have, have a client, have a patient with him. Have them in the patient room as a chiropractic, a chiropractor, do what he needs to that way. But then instead of having to refer them out to someone who can follow them up with their exercises, he can literally walk them out onto the floor and go, this is what I need you to do. This is how you're going to do it. Get them to demonstrate. That's your homework. Go home with that. Yeah. Perfect. I love yeah. it. I love the way it's working together. So uh, obviously, Andrew going off and studying chiropractic, uh, you know, that's a that's a big commitment. It's a long commitment. It's a lot of hours. Um, so yeah. That would have been another challenging time for you guys in terms of being able to get through that and still maintain your business and maintain your income in order to be able to support six children uh, while yeah. studying chiropractic. That's, that's a phenomenal achievement. It is, and we're still um, not where we need to be financially because of that because obviously your study comes first and then um, with him stepping somewhat out of the business, it's changed the way things happen financially and you've got hex to cover as well. So we're yes. still going to be the next couple of years building back up and it'll be a while before we're back on our feet, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. And um, when he jumped into the chiropractic, we sat down and discussed it together and made a plan that this is what he wanted to do and this is where it would fit into our lives together so I fully supported him to do that and um, you make the sacrifices if you want to get the results and you want to and if it's a if it's something that you're passionate about you'll find a way to do it yeah and I think had we looked at it and gone oh my god this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen we probably would have been a little bit more fearful and a bit a little bit more step backish or step offish or backed off a little bit about doing it but if you think about life in that way, you might miss out on opportunities. So you can't necessarily you – t- you look at the risks and you take a um, – you look at them and you evaluate them and whether it's a big risk or it's not worth it. But for us, um, yeah, there was no question. Um, the sacrifices that we've both had to make for him to study yeah. have been big and we um, uh, don't deny that, um, especially financially like I just said. But, um, yeah, we – if you're passionate about what you do and like just being able to help people on the level that we can, it's worth it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you've created is something really special in terms of, you know, the synergy with Livestrong Primal Fitness and also the chiropractic. So, tell us about what people can expect if they come in to see you guys. I mean, do people typically come in to you and meet you guys uh, for uh, personal training or do they typically come in and meet you guys for chiropractic and then and then merge across to the other? How does it typically work for people first getting exposure to you guys? Okay, so with Andrew being fresh in the business of chiropractic we're still building up that market and still building up how we market that so still people are still coming to us mainly by referral we've also got now we sponsored the local football club last year which um, was success successful for us Um, unfortunately this year the team have all the club have not got a men's team but um, some of the committee members who had um, foresight actually started to put together a women's team. So the women's team had their first match last year and we're a major sponsor of the women's team, but we were a minor sponsor of the um, men's team last year. So we get, we're getting more exposure through that and I think that's really important for where we are based in Keelor Park. It means that um, we're getting more um, noticed in the community and trusted, even though we've been here for six and a half years and people often will come in, like if we get walk-ins off the street, they'll come in for the gym because that's the signage that they've seen yeah. and I'll say, oh, yeah, I saw you here last year but I, I, I didn't come in. And we're like, we've been here. And then yeah. they'll say, how long have you been there for? And we're like, six and a half years. And I'm like, really? We're like, yes, we have. So um, I think being part of that Keelor Park Football Club and also the cricket club who came to us in middle of last year and said, we saw what you did with the football club. We want to be part of that as well. Um, so we sponsored them as well. Being part of that community um, gives us a better standing within the Keeler Park area. So um, most of most people who come to us, it, most people who come to me for training know me because they've yeah. heard of my reputation or they've Googled the Czech Institute or they've been referred by the Czech Institute or they've got a back injury or something major that a doctor has gone, okay, I've heard about this and I've sent people to Tanya before. So um, she's great with training. She's great with the holistic side of things. So I get referrals that way. So they're almost pre-qualified, the ones who come to me. Um, because I'm not a normal trainer as well, it, um, people who come in off the street and see what I do, and this used to happen when I was working in other gyms as well, they'd go, they wouldn't quite understand what or why I was doing what I was doing because I get people to roll around on the floor and I get them to... <laughs> put their toes in their mouth as part of infant development. Um, So when you look at that from the outside, you don't know what it is. You're kind of like, oh, my God, what is that? Um, But most people who come to me, like I said, are pre-qualified via referral. And, yeah, they come to us normally for PT or for group um, membership. And then they now they're starting to know that we're chiropractic as well. So Andrew's starting to get leads from the website and through um, being a Gonstead chiropractic um, practitioner, he is a little bit different to the average chiropractor. So um, people will Google that if they know what it is, and that his name's coming up now as well. Yeah, absolutely. And people who've long-time listeners of that Paleo show will remember that uh, Dr. Yana, who was one of our first co-hosts on the show, was also a Gonstead chiropractor and very passionate about that. So they may have even heard her talking about that particular approach to chiropractic on the show previously too, which she was amazing. She was great at it. Um, awesome. So... Um, so what can people expect? Like when people walk in, you've, you've mentioned multiple times how different it is and people rolling on yep. the floor, people putting their toes in their mouth. That's a bit strange. So if I, strange. if I come in and see you for the first visit, like yes. what, what can I expect in terms of how, what sort of analysis would you do that's different to what your average gym would do? And then I guess, you know, in terms of creating a, a protocol going forwards, you know, how does it actually look? Cool. So, like I said, with the PT side of things, that's very different to what 
the pathway for coming in for just gym membership or group membership. So with PT, I go through a full assessment. But if you just walk in off the street and say, I want to train with you guys, where do I start? Um, you start with two PT sessions with myself and then we call those the primal pattern PT sessions. Yep. So during those sessions, I will look at how you roll, how you crawl, um, whether you can get your toes in your mouth. Um, I look at spinal flexion and extension in that. I look at the seven primal movement patterns. So I look at whether you can squat, lunge, push, pull, bend, twist, and how you walk. So all of those things are done over those first two sessions, nice. mostly over those two sessions. Once someone's – if someone's got a major deficit in one of those areas, so say they really can't roll or they've got a left brain, right brain disconnect, then um, – they may still be able to go into group sessions, but they may have to have ongoing PT until I start to clean up and correct and even work out whether they actually need deeper training with me or whether they might just need a month of PT just to bring those um, deficits up to speed so that they can go into our group sessions. Um, a lot of people might not be able to squat. Um, I can get them squatting within those two sessions and that might be the only thing that's holding them back from the group sessions. So then we, we feed them into the group sessions and we just monitor them a little bit more closely. Because our group sessions are maxed at between 10 and 12 people, um, we can still keep a relatively close eye on newbies as well as everyone else in the group, but it's not like there's 20 or 30 people in a group session at once that we can't spend time with people. Um, and we built the programming around that as well. So we built it so that as coaches, we it's obviously it's about people who are coming in and what they get from the um, gym membership with us and what the results they get. That's ultimately very important but it's also for important for us as coaches to be able to give the best of what we can in that environment whether that be PT or whether that be group or whether that be chiropractic so um, it's important for us to screen them first basically and make sure that they can do those things so that we can give the best of our coaching ability to them. All right so I'm on board with all of these movements Tanya I get it uh, except for the toes in the mouth now I can do all of the other movements. I've been, I'm sure everyone else listening to this is probably doing the same thing. I'm sitting here whilst I'm recording this going, trying to see whether I think I can get my toe into my mouth and I don't reckon I can. I don't think I'm even close to be perfectly honest. So why do I need to be able to get my toe in the mouth and what is that, why is that important? What does that mean? Why is that important? So yes, it's got things to do with your hamstring flexibility, but I don't look at it from that perspective. I look at it from when an infant develops, it needs to develop left and right side of the body, front and back side of the body, but top and bottom as well, and then cross pattern or contralateral patterning. So the toes in mouth, the baby will reach for its foot, but most of the time it will reach for the opposite foot and bring it towards its mouth. So we know from infant development that a baby doesn't start to complete the development of the nervous system till somewhere around the 12-week mark. So when a baby's 12 weeks old or somewhere between 12 and 16 weeks. So if you've got a deficit that you can't bring that foot up to your mouth, I look at is it just a hamstring flexibility? Is it something in flexion in your spine that's prohibiting that? Or is there something in the connection of the brain that hasn't developed when you were a baby that you weren't able to connect the contralateral patterns? So that's when the crawling comes. It becomes important yeah. as well. So if you can't put your toes in your mouth and you can still do crawling at a, a what we consider a good level, so with the cross-pattern crawling, left and right, working together um, and then elevating that up onto the toes rather than just being on the knees as well. So if you've got a deficit in the toes and mouth and deficit in the crawling, then I start to wonder and go, okay, what's happened as a baby for you not to have progressed through that pattern as a child? And then I start questioning, um, did you have older siblings? Was there like – and you 
then have to start digging a little bit deeper and go, okay, maybe you need to ask your parents if um, you spent very much time on your tummy or whether you spent time on your back or whether you're actually allowed on the floor because some children, if they've got older siblings or if it's a sixth child in the family and all the kids are close together, for example, if you've got toddlers and a five-year-old running around, mum might not want to put the baby on the floor and the baby might not get used to being on the floor on their back and therefore not have spent enough time developing that pattern. Um, I also look at whether the nervous system has completely developed or whether there was something that has not stopped it but may have delayed that and you may have missed that part of infant development that we need to go back to. Okay, cool. All right. So, so it's pretty in-depth. So yeah, yeah, it, it is in-depth. I think I've self-diagnosed myself with hamstring tightness because <laughs> my hamstrings are terrible. So I think that might be why my toes aren't getting into my mouth. But for everyone else, they need to come along to Live Strong Primal Fitness at – they can obviously find you live livestrongprimalfitness.com.au to get all the details. Uh, Facebook Livestrong Primal Fitness and Instagram at Livestrong Primal Fitness. Uh, what about the Cairo? Is it the same website or do they need to go somewhere else? No. So for the chiropractic, it's Integrity Chiropractic. Okay, perfect. Integrity and- as in integrity of the spine. Perfect. I like it. And, and Integrity. I'm assuming there's a website there somewhere. There is. Yes, IntegrityChiropractic.com.au. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on board today, Tanya. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for having me. Uh, My pleasure. For everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.